Aloha. Aloha. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Judy Connell, and I serve as a shepherding deacon here in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. We come together in this house of prayer, trusting you, O God, to give us everything we need. As you provide for the birds of the air, you supply life's necessities for your children to share. We choose to respond to your promises by identifying ourselves as your servant people who seek to be guided by your word. We gather to remember and reclaim your covenant with us. Fleeing from tents of wickedness, we gather to do the tasks you entrust to us here, praying for strength to do our daily work as a ministry in your name. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God. Amen.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Let us worship God.
We sing our praises to our God and King who reigns above. It is to the triune God that we confess our sin and humbly ask for forgiveness. Let us pray the prayer of confession together. Alert us now, eternal spirit, to your presence among us in this place. Together we confess that we have been busy with so many things that we have often forgotten you. We have made little gods out of buildings and furnishings and programs. Sometimes our pet beliefs and interpretations have been all-consuming as we do battle to correct others and presume to defend you. We have forgotten that your love is stronger than any force on earth. Forgive our mistrust of its power and draw us back into the company of disciples who are learning and growing in love. In Jesus' name, amen. In the greatest love ever given, God left the holy heavenly throne to be with us. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. with believers down through the ages, let's say what we believe in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to turn and greet your neighbor with a hearty aloha.
Aloha. Good to see you all here this morning. If you are here thinking, has McConnell lost his robe? Has the staff lost their minds? Uh, you are not to be deceived. No, it is our kickoff Sunday, and we are so glad to be here under the theme of Aloha. Welcome. Uh, joining together as the people of God in the spirit of hospitality and welcome. We're glad that you are here with us today. And I see so many bright shirts. Whoa, but I think if we had to have a Hawaiian shirt contest, I think Dr. Rada would win it. I think, check, check, give that man a round of applause. Well done. So we got lots of good things in store for you right next door in the Palm Center. I'd like to show you the video of what you can anticipate as we look forward to getting our year kicked off. for you to come and join us next door in the Palm Center. We're uh, having a big party over there. It's really beautiful, and it will be an opportunity for you not to come and only enjoy good food and uh, good fellowship, but also, more importantly, for you to think about what might this new year be for me relative to how I can grow into Christ and how I can uh, go into the world and serve him in a new and and uh, engaging way. So we invite you to come over. All of our ministries are out and displayed, and you can talk with people about what this new year is going to be for you. We're going to call today uh, Church of the Palms, Church of the Pineapple, just, just so you've 
Um, and there's a map in your side your bulletin that will show you kind of where to go and uh, when you walk in where the food is, which I know is most important, but then after that where you can go to learn about ministry uh, and such. So we're glad for that opportunity. There's photo booths, there's a bounce house for families and kids and such, so we would love to see you over there after our service today. We are uh, looking forward to uh, the opportunity for our kids to begin their school year on September, the, their church year on September the 9th, where we'll have uh, our new kids experience. And we invite you parents to be mindful of that, that that's when all that will get started on September uh, the 9th. On September the 5th, Dr. Morgan Roberts will be here in the chapel and he will be on hand to sign his new book, A Beautiful View. And so you'll wanna come for that. The, the, the books are being uh, sold at a discount at the event, so you might want to come to get uh, a good book at a reduced price and to have the chance to meet Dr. Roberts. And we say for just a short time, we say goodbye to our beautiful little piano over there, which uh, through, the through the generosity of one of our church members is going off to be refurbished and will be coming back to us a few months later. We'll have a replacement piano there uh, for, the, for the time being. But uh, you know, when you're leaving today, just you know, wave goodbye to the piano, West, you know, you know, give it your best wishes and, uh, and invite it to come back healthier and ready to go for another season of life. Let us continue our worship.
Let us share in prayer together. Our gracious and loving, humbly Father, we come to you feeling blessed. Much more to thank you for than we ever deserve. We glorify you not for what only you do for us, but who you are and what you are. The Lord for whom there is nothing too hard. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers or our desires or hopes. So we enter your presence this morning with boldness. And just as we trusted you to save us, we trust you today for all of life's problems and perplexities and difficulties. You are with us even sometimes when we're not aware of your presence. So we give you thanks for all of that. And because we trust you, we, when we look at our lives, we confess that all may not be that well. Every one of us has qualities and habits and sins or weaknesses that we would love to get rid of, but they seem to hang on. So to grow in you means to change, and change often comes hard. It would be nice to snap our fingers and be fixed. We know that when Jesus comes, we will be like him, and our inclination towards sin will be a thing of the past. But right now, you want us to die to ourselves, to partake in the sufferings of our Lord, so that we might live a better lifestyle now. So, Lord, this morning we ask you to look into our hearts and our minds. Let your amazing grace shine into the dark corners of our lives and reveal to us our needs. Assure us that regardless of our circumstances, we can be victorious through Jesus our Lord. Change situations where appropriate. Help us to accept those that you're unwilling to change. We pray you'll help us to nurture our walk with you, confident that you are working in us both to will and to do your good pleasure. And whatever occurs, may we trust your wisdom and love. In other words, we want you to make us into the kind of Christians that you want us to be. We pray for our church today. We are thankful for the opportunity to uh, be festive and to think ahead in the new year. And as we kick off all of the wonderful things and ministries that uh, are being offered, Lord, may your kingdom rule and be active in us and through everyone who is going to be working on behalf of the church. You put this church here many years ago and you put us individually in this church. We are a part of your plan and your purpose, individually and collectively. So we pray you'll help us to discern as we look at all the offerings today, your plans for us, and may we each respond to your leadership. We do pray for our country and our selected leaders, even sometimes when a few don't agree with them. We pray that they will wisely consider important matters that come before them and be influenced by your Holy Spirit in the decisions and rulings that are so important. We pray for so many other things, but especially we want to pray for this service. Pray for the ministry, pray for the music, and above all, we pray in the name of Jesus, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth.
our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. our ushers to come forward and lead us in the giving of tithes and offerings.
Lord who calls us beloved, who names us as children, who showers us with all kind of blessings. May the gifts that we return to you in return for your goodness be ones in which we rejoice and ones in which we know will be used for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to ask the children to come forward and Lori. Well, aloha, children. Good morning. Good morning, Mariah. Good morning. It's early, isn't it? Hello. How's everybody doing? Beautiful. I like your flowers and the lay. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you may have heard that our theme for today is a luau, which is really a Hawaiian party. Does anyone know anything at all about Hawaii? Yes, one thing. It's hot and sunny like you. It is hot and sunny like Florida, right. Anything else? Do you know? Hmm. We don't vacation in Hawaii much, do we? It's an awful lot like here, like beautiful beaches and sunsets and great birds. Oh, awesome. What was that? And volcanoes. And volcanoes, yes. Well, you may not know this. Maybe you don't, because I didn't see a lot of hands go up with anything really for Hawaii. 50th state? Yeah, no, nothing. Okay. Hawaii is the aloha state. Did you know that? Aloha, which could mean hello or goodbye. But then when I looked at the word, there is something really cool about this word for us as Christians. If you look at the first three letters, alo, that means sharing. Who likes to share? Okay, I got another question. Who likes it when someone shares with them? Oh yeah, all right. Now you're with me. The last three letters of the word, see that? When those are covered up, it says oha. Oha means joy. Can you think of something that gives you great joy? Makes you even a little bit happy? Anything at all? Candy. Does candy make you happy, like great joy? Yeah. And you want to share that? No. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, right. Hold on. Hold that thought. Right here. Something that gives you joy. Sports. Sports. Excellent. You should hang out with my husband. That's great. Anything else? Wow, this is a tough crowd. I'm turning on you now. Something that gives you joy. Let's see it. Give me a hand. Oh, yeah. Legos. Legos. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. That's great. Okay, one last part of this word. The last part, ha. Put your hand right in front of your mouth and go, ha. Can you hear, feel that breath? Ha. Ha means breath or life. And so when you put it all together, it means joyfully living life. Do you know what Jesus said in John 10.10? 10? He said that I came so that you might live and enjoy life. It's like Jesus came and said, aloha. Can we pray? Gracious God, we thank you for giving us this beautiful, abundant life, Lord, and I thank you for sending your Son, that it might be so here on earth and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
be seated. Our scripture this morning is taken from two books in the New Testament, the Acts of the Apostles, and then later the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. Acts chapter 4, beginning at the 32nd verse. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. And they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. In fact, there was a Levite, a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. And then these two verses from Ephesians chapter 4. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, that we may understand once again how your Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, with the college football season having begun yesterday, and with the Michigan-Notre Dame game coming up in less than a week, I am not surprised, as I got to thinking about our text and topic today, that I turned to one of my all-time favorite football books, Season of Life by Jeffrey Marks. Marks chronicles a year in the life of a high school football team up in Maryland, the Gilman School, which has won more football games and state championships than any person can count. The focus of the book is on the coaches of the team and their unorthodox approach to coaching young high school men, which is to teach them, to teach these young men, an alternative view of masculinity. That to be a real man has nothing to do with how much weight you can press, how much money you can make, how many girls you can sleep with, but to be a real man a real person, for that matter, has everything to do with integrity, seeking justice, encouraging the downtrodden, and serving the people in your life. This was the success they were after with their team. At one point, Marx recounts a mother coming up to the head coach, Biff Pogge, and asking him how successful the boys were going to be this year. 
And the coach replied, this year, ma'am? Oh, no, I won't know how successful they'll be for about 20 years. No, I won't really know how successful they're going to be until they come back to visit me in 20 years. Then I'll be able to see what kind of husbands they are. Then I'll be able to see what kind of fathers they are. Then I'll be able to see what they're doing in the community. Success is a long-term project, isn't it? And it extends far beyond wins and losses, square footage of your house, what you got sitting in your driveway. In other words, we all have some growing up to do. We must grow up is a phrase I borrowed from the scripture verse that I have challenged our staff to memorize this summer. It's a scripture verse lifted from our staff covenant that every staff member is asked to sign and commit themselves to. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, which I just read. Speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth, building itself up in love. We must grow up in every way into him. We must grow up in every way. We must grow up. I can remember as if it were yesterday those words being directed to me when I was in high school by a man I had come to love and respect. He was my high school youth director, and he caught me doing something pretty stupid, something a middle school or elementary school kid would do, and his words to me were, grow up, McConnell! And they cut to the core, and they said to me that I had a ways to go to becoming a man, an adult, a complete person, and I was not beginning well. Grow up. We must grow up. I date myself when I quote the old rocker Alice Cooper in his great anthem to the struggle of growth and the milestone of turning 18. I got a baby's brain and an old man's heart. Took 18 years to get this far. Don't always know what I'm talking about. Feels like I'm living in the middle of doubt because I'm 18. I get confused every day. 18, I just don't know what to say. Anybody remember that song? So 18, 21, 35, 55, 75, at every point along the way, we get to measure our growth. Let, like those marks on the door frame of your house showing the heights of your children, we have these marks along the way to show whether or not we are really growing, whether we are truly becoming successful. Because in the Christian journey, we don't stop growing at some particular age because we're growing up right into every way in Him who is the head into Christ. You never stop growing up into Christ. For Jesus is the full person, the Vitruvian man. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is the epitome of personhood. We must grow up into Him. And that's a lifelong project. When you stop growing, you start dying in the faith. So much of what the Bible's about, right? If the Bible's anything, it is the story of person after person after person learning to grow up. 
Young people, old people, smart people, rich people, poor people. Story after story of people like you and me in their relationship with God trying to figure out how do I grow up? How do I become a real person? How do I be fully human? Sometimes it's through failure. Sometimes it's through blessing. Sometimes it's through learning. Sometimes it's through prayer. Sometimes it's just through Jesus saying point blank to you and me, grow up. And it gets me to thinking about the story of Barnabas. We meet Barnabas during the early day of the church when Luke describes to us this new community of believers who were of one heart and mind and had decided to live into the fullest depths of community, holding everything in common, a radical view of the church, holding everything in common, no one claiming private ownership over anything. And then Luke says, there arose among them a Levite, a temple servant named Joseph, who took a piece of property that he dearly owned and sold it and took the money from the sale and gave it to the apostles and said, use it as you see fit. And the apostles gave him a name. They called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. That's quite a name. In New Testament terms, I'm not sure you get a better name than that. Son of encouragement. Daughter of encouragement. Peter gets called the rock. James and John get called sons of thunder. But Joseph gets called the son of encouragement. What a great name to grow into. Reminds me of the story of Alexander the Great who had brought before him a young soldier who had been charged with behavior unbecoming an officer and the great general asked the young officer what his name was and the officer replied, "Uh, Alexander, uh, same as you, sir. And the general replied, well, Alexander, you have a choice. Either you change your behavior or you change your name. In other words, grow up. The son of encouragement. Encouragement in the Greek is parakletos. It's the same word used to describe the Holy Spirit, which means literally to call someone to oneself. That to be of the Holy Spirit, to be an encourager, is to be a person who calls others to oneself. When when you grow up, you become someone who welcomes people into your life, not sets them apart, but welcomes people into your life. When you grow up, you become a person who cares to share in the lives of others. So Barnabas becomes one of the compelling characters of the New Testament because he's given several opportunities to continue to grow, to live into his name, to call others to himself. The first comes when Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of the church, killer of Christians, has this conversion experience on the road to Damascus, and just about everybody in the church thinks that it's a trick, it's a sham, it's an effort to infiltrate the enemy. Everybody thinks this about Barnabas except for, everybody thinks this about Paul except for Barnabas. It's Barnabas who calls Saul to himself and takes the time with Saul, now who has become Paul, and to talk with him and to understand him and to learn from him his story. It's Barnabas who, when Paul finally realizes it's the time that he has to go before the real apostles, it's Barnabas who walks alongside of Paul and stands with him and says, I vouch for him. 
I vouch for him. I call him to myself. The son of encouragement. And then when a new community of Christians springs up in Antioch, north of Palestine, they, the apostles feel the need to encourage these new believers, and so they turn to Barnabas, and they send him up to this new community. And Scripture says when Barnabas arrived in Antioch, he saw the grace of God in the people, and he rejoiced, and he, and he encouraged them. He called them to himself. And then in one of the more heart-wrenching stories of the New Testament, when Paul and Barnabas and Mark make up themselves this little missionary team to travel the Roman Empire, in, in one of their journeys, Mark's end up, Mark ends up leaving the team for reasons unknown, except that Paul thinks they're not very good reasons. And so when the opportunity arrives again for them to travel together, Barnabas advocates for Paul and insists, advocates for Mark and insists that he be given another chance to join the team. And Paul says, no. No more chances. One strike, you're out. And, and, and Barnabas, the son of encouragement, says, no, you've you got to give him another chance. And Paul says, Nada. And Barnabas, the encourager, says, well, then I'm on the side of second chances. I stick with Mark. I call him to myself. And that's where Barnabas and Paul part ways. We must grow up into him. So it gets me wondering if one of the ways for us to grow up, to grow up into Christ, is to take on this name, the son or daughter of encouragement, to, to live into a new name, the daughters, the sons of encouragement, those who call others to themselves. We're, we're trying in this place to become day by day, month by month, year by year, the most loving place in town. And I wonder if one of the ways to do that is to think of ourselves first as people who still have a little bit of growing to do, and second, that one of the signs of that growth is the encouragement we give to the world. What if today were the day where we said, you know, I'm not done growing. I want to be a greater encourager. I want to call more people to myself. Makes me think of the story of Jesus who comes upon that angry crowd of men who are getting ready to stone the woman caught in adultery. They've read the law. They know what punishment is. The test is for Jesus whether he knows the right answer on this one. Jesus says in so many words, grow up. Let the one without sin cast the first stone. And as the men begin to slink away, Jesus leans down next to the shamed woman and calls her to himself and says, where are they? Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. Well, then neither do I, the son of encouragement. Father Gregory Boyle, in his most recent book, Barking to the Choir, tells a story of his work with gang members in Los Angeles and his attempt to help them grow up. And he relays the story of an ex-gang member, Hector, who is trying to live a more human life. And Hector has four kids, and Boyle tells the story this way. Hector has his four young kids for the weekend and takes them to the central library on a Saturday morning. The kiddie floor is a little crazy, so he takes a couple of books and leads his crew to the adult section, which is nearly empty. They plant themselves in a corner on plush, spacious leather chairs, the kids' little legs barely reaching the ends of the chair's cushions. 
Hector, both a recovering gang member and heroin addict, begins to read in a hushed tone. But he notices the librarian, a gentleman in his 30s, standing behind a desk giving him what he thinks is the hairy eyeball. Hector feels a flush of self-consciousness. Maybe I shouldn't be here, he thinks to himself, feeling judged. He finishes the two books, corrals his gaggle for, and makes for the door. But the librarian waves him over. Hector readies himself to be chewed out for reading to kids in the adult area. He situates his kids at a distance in case what the librarian says takes everybody south for a second. But the librarian only looks kindly at Hector, smiles and says simply, Good job. Good job. How many people in this world would die just to hear those two words? Good job. James Stewart, one of the great Scottish preachers, said this once, one of the crowning glories of the world is the sheer valor with which multitudes of men and women quite unknown to fame are carrying themselves in the face of difficulties calculated to break their hearts. You know it, you see it, maybe you're one of them. So when I'm standing before the checkout person at the grocery store and she looks like she's been on her feet one too many hours and accosted by one too many customers, ah, oh, to be a son of encouragement, a daughter of encouragement to take her to myself and say, good job. Or to take an hour and sit beside a child and back to basic tutoring who's having trouble with arithmetic. And when he comes back the next week with a really good test score and you can say, good job or to take a couple of hours and pack groceries at the food pantry and hand them out to folks who are having trouble making ends meet to take these human beings to ourselves, or to volunteer in family ministry or student ministry just to remind those children, those students, how valuable they are, or to volunteer to become a Stephen minister to learn how to walk alongside of someone who's, who's facing one of those those, those difficulties calculated to break their heart. To take them to yourself. What a wonderful name to grow into, the son of encouragement. Or maybe God gave you the brains, the work ethic to make a lot of money. Maybe you've got more money than you need. And, and, and for you, growing up means releasing yourself from the fear of not having enough. And like Barnabas, you sell some land. You, you, know, you cash in some stock. You stroke a check. And you say to your church, good job. Use it as you see fit. So in a couple minutes, you're going to follow me. You're going to follow me after we sing because it's time to grow up. You're going to follow me after we sing. Lord, I want to be a Christian. The choir is going to go first, and then after the benediction, you're going to follow me as we head out those doors, and we head over to the Palm Center, and we will be, meet, be met there with people with lays, the sign of friendship, the sign of, 
of welcome, the sign of we're glad that you're here, the sign that I want to have a part in you and I want you to have a part in me. We'll get our lays and these good people will print, will point you to the tables where you can learn how you can grow into Christ, where you can go to Bible studies, small groups, where you can discover how then from there you can go into the world and be an encourager. So we grow in order that we can go. We become more like Jesus so that we can act more like Jesus. We grow and we go and you'll have those opportunities at every table to learn about how you grow and then how you go. So when you get that lay over your head, that becomes for you the reminder of your new name. I am the son of encouragement. I am the daughter of encouragement. When you put that lay somewhere in your home, when you get home, you will want to put it in a place where you can see it every morning so that it reminds you who you are. It prompts you to ask the question, who in my life can I encourage today? Whom in my life can I say, good job. Who in my life can use to be lifted up? Who in my life needs strength to carry on? For we must grow up in every way into him, and there's nothing like having a new name to grow into. Good job. Thanks. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Follow me. Amen.